dancing delight Join us, Iona and Cammy. Let's have some fun It's time for Fit by Farmers Hello, hello everyone Great to be here I just, I love pressing that little button How are you, Iona? I'm well, how are you? Not bad, I missed my, my cue that I was supposed to go Hello and welcome to Fed by Farmers With me, Cammy Wilson And me, Iona Murray I'll cut that little silence out That was okay. like as fantastic another podcast week three episode three we've got the big dog in this week mm-hmm. big davy cooper mm-hmm. a neighbor of episode yours episode four well technically yes it's our fourth episode but i wasn't even going to put episodes on the q a's oh well you're not okay. just throw them in as a bit of fun you know if we do oh. a midweek q a we'll throw it in if we don't do it we don't do it we'll see okay. we'll see what happens with that but yeah we're saying guest episode three then let's say that okay. and Davey d- just to build him up a little bit he, he talks a lot about his whole business Sheep Farmer of the Year Farmers Weekly him and his good lady Cora Cooper won that prestigious award down in London just a couple of weeks ago it runs 5,000 acres in Muir Kirk 3,000 plus Herdwick and Welsh Mountain News but he talks all about that in his interview which is coming very soon What have you been doing this week Cammy? Well we should touch on first of all I had a dog attack because we mentioned yeah. that briefly in the last podcast and I didn't go into it mm-hmm. so I did have a dog attack we lost one sheep killed these were ewe hogs so they weren't with the top one of them killed in the field obvious dog attack injuries around the throat and a second one looking very sad and when we got a hold of it we could see that the dog had had a grip behind its neck and basically ripped right into the bone around its neck it was shocking ear ripped and then a puncture wound like where the dog bites at the front leg and yeah it'd probably been two or three days like they're checked twice a week really where they are you hogs you don't really need to check them anymore once a week would do to be honest with you but got a hold of it and it was obvious the wound was absolutely stinking oh was it yeah, like proper infected. Dog bites are so nasty. I mean, with a girl, Achieve that got attacked a little while ago, people I've seen on Facebook, she's still just coming right. You know, she's still getting treated with antibiotics. She's all stiff of her legs just from a puncture wound from a dog in her leg. Like nasty, nasty things. So this poor sheep, I just just to keep the job right, because I knew she was being put down, but I thought, let's just do it right. We'll go to the vets. Yeah. And yeah, the vet was just straight away like, yeah, mm. put, put it down. So yeah, immediately she was uh, euthanized. Is that the correct word? Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, she was put down out of her misery, out of her suffering. So that was two dead sheep off that attack. And I'll be honest, I've still not been on and reported it. Why? Mainly because it's a nightmare to report things. Oh, is it? Yeah, in Scotland here. You're not know MD from your days at the police. Oh, if only. Like, <laughs> the only way to talk, you know, have a laugh. You don't want to text them like, mate, could you take a crime report, please? And it's like, <laughs> delete this number, Cami. I think you can do it online. I need to look into that because mm. phoning 101 is a waste of time. Like, oh, is it? Oh, you sit on there for 20 minutes. And then you have to spend another 20 minutes talking through the whole thing and mm-hmm. they try and look for a locus, which it, locus is the um, location where the crime was committed. We call it a locus. They will try and look for all that and it's just the whole mm-hmm. thing's like such a big time-consuming thing. And I see why people don't report things, but it's so important that we, we report dog attacks. Yeah, oh, 100%. Because it paints a bigger picture when we try and push through new legislation. We can say, look, mm-hmm. there's been 300 dog attacks this year in Scotland. Oh, definitely be more than that. But say there's 300 dog attacks in Scotland this year. That's good evidence that we need to do something mm-hmm. about this so yeah it will be reported at some point very soon i'll get it done online you keep on it me iona i will right some last okay thank you very much to our sponsors again cf moto legends absolutely oh, stop it guys please 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 come on come on now we're, we're podcasting this live audience is just it's just not gonna work eh they are just wild but yeah so thanks so much to CF Moto for sponsoring the podcast and we'll hear a little bit more about them halfway through somewhere so here we go here's the interview with Davy Cooper who is one half of the Farmers Weekly Sheep Farmer of the Year team 
you haven't got you haven't got an actual plan here. Of well, the the, the main th- reason you're here, not just because you're our friend, is because you're sheep farmer <laughs> of the year, mm-hmm. one of, mm-hmm. and and we could talk about that. No, the. Yeah, well, I know, you know, you, I know you have to say one of. I'll, I'll lean towards the Scottish awards, you know, as being the, the but, righteous awards. But, but, but UK is bigger. bigger I'll, I'll, I'll accept that. Mm-hmm. So do you have if, to win, you don't have to win Scottish to win UK? Have we started podcasting here? Yeah. No. Okay. Can't record. It's recording. Oh. It is recording. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just keep going then. Um, so we're into it then. Davy Cooper, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. How's things? Fantastic. Yeah, yeah, good. Is it one more dancers all night, or uh, no, I can give you one or two. <laughs> <laughs> what, what's uh, what's your big things just now? Tell us. I, I've I've built you up an introduction. I've told everyone how many sheep you have and how many acres you have. How proud are you of all that? Um, very proud. I just um, especially recently after obviously winning an award. You, it, uh, you won an award. Did you not hear? No, no. What was that, Iona? No, I never hear. No, 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 I didn't. Oh well, right. What, what was that? Yeah, Farmers Weekly <laughs> Sheep Farm of the Year, twenty twenty three. Amazing, amazing. Now, of course, we heard it was some buzz for yourself to have Sheep Farm of the Year. It's not your first award, though. But you, you've also Young Farmer of the Year, was it? Or? Yeah, I was down in London for the awards in twenty sixteen, and won Young Farmer of the Year. So, oh, the same awards. Same awards, oh, right, yeah, yeah. Awards, so, yeah. yeah, that's quite good. Yeah, so you're an, you're an old hand at it. Yeah, so what's, it the, nice. what's the next one you win overall? Um, need to branch out into something different, I guess. Is, is there an overall this, champion? There, no, no, well, there is, there's an overall one every year. Oh, because um, it was the, uh, the uh, team for Aberdeen that won it. Yeah, Apologies, yeah. So, I forgot so the name. Out there, of yeah. all of the winners each year, they pick one overall winner, so yes, um, but there's so many different categories you could, I suppose, there's no limit to what you could apply to well and I have a question then I wonder about awards why can't you win it every year what, what, why if you're the sheep farm of the year this year why can't you be sheep farm of the year next year uh, because we won it we get to go back and judge it next year so right. if we applied for it next year we could judge ourselves and just can pick ourselves that? as the winner no, no I, I'm guessing that's a way I, to stop you doing yeah, it next, the second yeah. year is they bring you on the judging panel yeah, yeah that's quite good okay that's fair that's a good answer Okay, and which what, is which is kind of, in my opinion, from doing it before because I know what it's like. Mm-hmm. That was the best bit, getting to go back and judge the next year. Yeah, is really cool. And were the were the judges nice to you? Oh well, obviously they were nice to you, but what was the judging like? It was it was good fun. Yeah, we we really enjoyed it. Cora and I really enjoyed it um, because it made us. Cora being your wife, of course. Cora being for, my wife. For the millions of people listening that don't know that. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, she's a very famous woman. Yep. Um, this, so- it's tricky, this dynamic, because <laughs> we know everything about you already. Yeah. So, like, you're talking to... You know, I'm just thinking that. You're talking to us so casually. They'll be like, who's that? Yeah. What's that? You know? Mm-hmm. What's Chris Flat? <laughs> like, what's this Chris Flat they keep talking about? <laughs> <laughs> so, sorry, Davy. So, what was I saying? Yeah, um, you and Cora were relaxed. Yeah, we, we found it... We found it really nice because it was it was nice having people ask questions because it, because it is it's basically when they come to visit when the judges come to visit it's a three hour visit and it's just three hours of questioning basically mm-hmm. and they'll ask you everything the ins and outs of everything about your business um, so you have to be ready for them but we being who we are pretty confident. And um, yeah, we felt like we were ready for them, so we enjoyed it. We like we really thrived yeah. off of that. 
that intense environment because everything they asked us, we had an answer for, and we mm -hmm. felt that we were really keeping up with them. And there was at no point in the three hours that we stumbled or they caught us out yeah. or we weren't able to respond with something that they thought was either interesting or thought provoking or, you know, so yeah, we, we enjoyed it because it was our kind of thing. Like we love a, a challenge and that was to us, like that was intense, but it was great because we were like, yeah, we're like properly knocking them back here. Well, It'd have been quite embarrassing if you'd lost after that. It would <laughs> very embarrassing. But yeah, after the judges left, we we were we felt really good about it, and mm -hmm. we felt confident that it had gone well. And I remember speaking. We to got you after on that, really yeah. well with everyone, and they were all really kind, and and they enjoyed their day as well. And it was yeah. To be honest, if we'd gone to the awards and we didn't win, we still had a great experience anyway. So oh, oh, it that, was a, it oh, was a nice patter. it was a nice yeah way to, to finish it off anyway. So yes. And what yeah. sort of things were they asking you about? every ins and outs of our sheep enterprise and other parts of the business and also um, financially as well. It's really, you know, there's, you can't really hide yeah. from, from the type of questions that they're asking. How much is your you. sub? <laughs> was it like that? What's that? How much is your sub? I'm did forgetting you, you can't hear me because I'm speaking, you don't have the headphones, how much is your sub? They didn't ask that, no. No, but, no, but um, did that, I take it they asked you like profit per year and all this kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, so that's the kind of thing that goes into the to the original application. So they, oh, does they, it? Yeah, they, they want, that's all the kind of stuff you've got to provide because if you're not, if you're not giving that information, you, they can't really compare against other businesses when okay. they're when you've got when you've got a long list of applicants. Yeah. You need to get it down to the final three, mm -hmm. and to do that from past experience, when I was a judge before, you need as much information as you can to be able to compare. So if somebody doesn't give you that information, you're not going to put them forward because okay. you need you you know if they're hiding that information, then yeah, they're not yeah they're not what else are they hiding? Yeah, yeah. So so you've got to be honest. So when you're honest with all those information all those figures and then they come and question you mm -hmm. they're going to want to know is this too good to be true or have they told a porcupine here somewhere and that's when they start testing you yeah. so obviously we got through that fine yeah um, yeah you, you must have told them enough yeah, yeah the, there's there's some yeah quite so what is your story david like where did you when did you move to the farm you're on just now um right so do you want to like a a quick um, story of my life. Yeah, tell, yeah. Well, it's really, really, it's actually really impressive, and obviously we we know it. And, and for anyone listening, like Iona and David are from the same tiny little village, neck of the woods, in, in Ayrshire <laughs> called Muirkirk. David, of course, is the best sheep farmer in Muirkirk. As has been, <laughs> it's been proven. Hey, hey. There's no, literally been there's literally been judges and he's not just your Kirk. There's been a process, a full process, a full transparent yep. process. If uh, listen, if if your father wants to put his sub money up and show what he makes per sheep, <laughs> let's get money. Let's get. In fact, I would love to get all the blackie boys from your Kirk forward to see what they make per yow. <laughs> That'll be our leaderboard. That would be impressive. Aye, yeah, yeah. That we're talking about what could we have for a, a leaderboard for all the interviews, like just something fun. Oh, that would be, Profit margin per, per you. Really? <laughs> <laughs> I could mind is negative something, but I'm not sure what. But right, sorry, David. You have all jokes aside. You do have a bloody amazing story. It is, yeah. It is. It's 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 an interesting story. Even now, for myself, thinking about what I've done to get to this point. Yeah. Sometimes I think if I had to do it all over again, there's a lot of things I just don't even think I would do again because 
I don't think I would have the energy to do it. Mm. Uh, but that, it, that's, that's what you like. See, when you're a young person absolutely. and you're like full of that enthusiasm and drive, Aye. You, 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 once you get past a certain point in your life, you would never do that again. Yeah. You just don't have it in you. And I, I'm at that point now where I'm just thinking, yeah. how did I, how did I even do it? Yeah. Thinking back at some of the, some of the challenges that I took on as a young person mm -hmm. now, and with, with less of the means that I have now to tackle a big challenge, oh, absolutely. I took it on mm -hmm. and without, a, without a second thought really. Whereas now I would really, really think about it. It's obviously a very long story and, and, you know, we've spoke about it before, but it'd be good to just at least tell us the first little fairy tale bit, you know, coming up the road from Devon and uh, yeah, we'll, how we'll, you... we'll skip through some of the main points and and get to and get to present day, shall we? Right. Um, so the fast, the fast version, but it is still impressive. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll try and speed it up as best I can. <laughs> um, I guess the whole thing that led me to move to Muirkirk was when I was younger, I, I I grew up in a on the edge of a village. I didn't grow up on a farm, um, and I my my grandparents had a rented farm that I used to spend quite a bit of time at on the weekends and things and holidays. So I always wanted to be involved in farming, but I never saw the chance. Definitely, one hundred percent being there for me to do that because. It was a small family farm and the, the, just, the opportunity just may not have been there. So I never really had it in my head that it would definitely happen for me. So I didn't get too, too caught up in that and mm -hmm. too in love with farming and my life being farming because it just, it just never really was 100% on the cards for me. So when I was sort of in my early teens and I was really, really, you know, that way I, I was... I was keen on rugby when I was in sort of late primary school, early secondary school. And then all of a sudden I just became totally uninterested in rugby or sports or anything else and hundred percent interested in farming. Right. Yeah. And it just took over me that I couldn't imagine spending any spare minute of my day doing anything other than being on a farm. Okay. And that's when I knew that yeah. I had to try and do something with that, but I didn't know how I was going to do that. And it's still at that point, there was no given that I was going to get in to farming yeah. in my own right or even in a family sort of thing. Um, but from a farming point of view, I used to look at sheep farming and be a bit baffled by the whole lambing thing that everybody's well aware of. And there's just the kind of craziness of it and how people's lives just get taken over by this thing called lambing at mm -hmm. a certain point in the spring. And I just thought, there's got to be sheep out there. There's got to be all types of breeds of sheep, not just one breed, but mm -hmm. there's got to be lots of, pretty much every breed. There's got to be some sheep that can just lamb themselves unassisted out in a field somewhere. And they've not had any, any feeding or anything else given to them. And they can just do it themselves. If we could find those ones and just breed from them, surely you could like cut out all of that, all of that nonsense. All the hard work. All the, basically, mm -hmm. all yep. the hard work that come with sheep. Yep. And that was a bit that, and I don't know if it was like it when you guys were younger, like schools were kind of putting us off as young people from going into farming and into agriculture. Yeah, it was all about point. universities. And yeah, we were just encouraged go to, go to, to college, go, to, go to college, go to university, like do not do anything other than that. And then after that, stay away from farming, basically. So we had it 
against us from the start. I felt like our generation, because it just wasn't really the recommended thing to go and do. It's funny how, not, not to go into, you know, to, we love a tangent on this show, that's going to be our thing. We end up speaking about uh, Napoleon <laughs> last night previously Kevin and, and Kevin McLeod. Yeah, yeah, it would go mad. But I, I definitely think that's come full circle now and people are realising that actually to have a trade or a skill with your hands absolutely is worth a fuck. I mean, all you need nowadays is a trade and a van. Yeah. And you can make a fortune, take your weekends off, be your own boss, mm -hmm. finish at two o'clock on a Friday. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm not saying that's the farmer way, but for the, yeah. you know, now the, look, trade, and the trade working back, way. Looking back now at the people that I went to school with, the ones that went and did that, done really well. Oh, oh. Yeah. Like, to Funnily learn, enough, learn a trade and just ran with it and, and have done My mates would argue were the thicker of the bunch are making far more money than mm. the ones who you'd have said at school were super clever and academic. You know, they're all stuck in jobs that, well, from me looking out doing what I do, I would absolutely hate it. Yep. Some of them love it and they're ambitious and that, but like, they're, they're just, you know, boys just going up throwing, I've got a mate as a brickie, mm -hmm. makes an absolute bloody fortune. Mm -hmm. Mental money, mental, but then no I'm, stress. Yeah. But then you go straight into university because that's what's set out for you and you end up going into a course that you're not even interested in or won't even use in your career. And did we haven't spoken about, you did a course, Did you? were you interested mm -hmm. in that course though? I thought I was. Yeah, so you enjoyed it. So you did primary primary, primary teaching? teaching. Yeah. Yeah. So you did enjoy it though. You didn't. Until, yeah. until you. Well, I think. See, what I should have done is I should have just had a few years out after school to decide. I think going. I think making a decision for what you want to do for the rest of your life at seventeen years old. It's a massive is thing. Yeah. Mental. So I think very few people at seventeen. Seventeen oh. was the the age that I moved to Muir County. Ah, you get yeah, so, yeah. But seventeen. Very few people my age at that point that I knew knew what they wanted to do. No, absolutely. And I, I was certain what I wanted to do. Yeah, and I yeah. Think that that's, helped. That's nice. It yeah, did yeah. help. Yeah. But um, yeah, I, I felt like I was in the minority for, oh, for absolutely for, for having made up my mind mm -hmm. what I'm going to do for the rest of my life. Yeah. I still don't know. Um, I know. Go look at you just drifting about in here, <laughs> <laughs> just waiting, waiting to see I something. I just turned that's up at the door. Yeah, yeah. It's just like, Cammy, take me in. I just, I don't know where to be. Is that spring, I, I don't know what to do. I know you're desperate because I've seen how poorly you run things. <laughs> um, no, we're glad to have you. But yeah, so seventeen, you get kicked out the Land Rover. Was it a Land Rover back then? Yeah. So yeah. seventeen, I I moved. So I was I was seventeen in April. This is two thousand four. I was seventeen in the April. I passed my driving test in the May, the following month, and then I drove to Scotland in the June, the next month, to start my life in Muirkirk. But how did how did you get the farm? So the farm was kind of happened because we the family farm we were losing grazing and we needed to find grazing elsewhere and that's kind of where we started looking further afield for land and at that point it was quite difficult to buy land in that part of the country all in one block it'll be the same now yeah uh, even same, more expensive yeah. same everywhere now it's yeah. kind of spread yeah. throughout the country now but yep. at that point mm -hmm. 20 years ago almost it was easier to find land in this part of the world that it wasn't a sought after in this part of the world for some reason i don't know why me neither and your car who'd have thought it i know i've seen your grand david i don't know i thought one they scrambling over themselves for it um no but you're right like your ground and and you know i spoke about the top of the show and introduced you about the the type of ground you've 
that's proper hill, like proper rough hill. You know, you need a good hardy sheep to live. You have a lot of good in buy stuff as well, but you know that the, what have you, it's three thousand acres. Five, just over five. Just 000. over five. Yeah. Every time I speak to you, it's an extra thousand. You're an ambitious man. So five, th- five thousand acres. That's wild. So, so yeah. So the so the original from a seventeen year old boy. Yeah. yeah but so but the, when did you, you started? In a, what was it when you started? The original farm was four hundred and seventy <sighs> acres. Wow. Um, <laughs> so so that was that was the kind of starting point. Um, so that was a family partnership, and and I I'd moved up. To the farm started out in 2004 and came up with a few ewes that we had to move away from the previous grazing that, were, that they were on and really started from there um, and, and what breed were those and that was herdwicks right and that's where my my kind of long-term plan of what i wanted to achieve with a a, a low-cost simple sheep system began because the farm was previously open casters, as Iona would remember as well. So, and, was, and explain to the, the listeners who are not from uh, working class coal mining villages in Ayrshire <laughs> what open cast means. So, an open cast coal mine is basically where there's coal under the ground and a company buys the land and then digs a massive great hole rather than digging tunnels and mine shafts like they used to years ago, a massive great hole in the ground, dig the coal out and then fill it all back in again pretty roughly yeah and that's what happened at my farm and we should say that they are especially around you but there's you'll find them all over here sure we're, we're yeah especially, especially and, and especially renowned for a massive scar in the landscape yeah yeah and never the land never being put back properly and then the local communities being left with the the kind of scar on the landscape basically um, so, so that's what I started off with, and because of that, the farm wasn't really in a point where it wasn't like you just move in and start farming and just and just carry on as as you had wherever you were before. It, there was a lot of land that wasn't able to be grazed. There was a lot of land that wasn't fenced properly, so I couldn't really manage it right. Um, and there was some land that wasn't even grazable at that point. It was just open just dirt really um and over, like overburden and not even just subsoil no no topsoil spread around so uh yeah as a starting point couldn't really have managed with much many sort of different breeds i think i think you would really struggle you needed something hard yeah it needed something hard that wasn't going to rely on too much good quality grazing and yeah and you'd struggle to find hardy sheep locally Oh yeah, it was a real struggle at that time. I'll just, just, I, I look, I glad, you can't tell, I'm glad style, and everything. I'm just, we, we wind up for the blackies. Everywhere I I love blackies. Everywhere everywhere I looked, there were blackies, and I just thought, I don't know if they're going to be right for me. Steady, Davey. This is, (laughs) this is your main customer base here for the fencing. You're upsetting. Uh, I'm allowed to joke about it. Nobody else is. Is that fair, Iona? Yeah, that's that's okay. I've been very truthful about it. (laughs) No, no, it's not the truth, Davey. There's no truth told on this podcast. (laughs) It's all jest. Um, nah, I don't think anybody, even even the Muirkirk uh, squad, would argue with you that a, a Herdwick is harder than a Blackie. I don't think anybody would agree I think with that. the thing that everybody knew was from very early on that I wasn't going to be swayed into yeah. another breed. And did they try it? I, or you'd get a bit of ribbon, would you? Oh, absolutely. The yeah. first few years, it was I was a laughing stock. Yeah. But that's 
that's an important part of this entire story is never, ever worry about what anyone else thinks about what you're doing. See, never, I don't know, you'll be fine doing this job. You'll be right. Well, don't listen to Dibdy slagging you off. <laughs> no, but that's, you're right, David. Yeah. Like, and you'll be, but you'll be one of the few folk that were strong enough at that young age to do that. Because I imagine, and I know that it's right, but even just the fact that you're English in a village like Muir, you know, a, any village in Ayrshire, but, you know, working class, mm-hmm. you know, proper hardy places like Muirkirk, where diversity doesn't exist. No. You know, Cumnock, Cum, even Kilmarnock, diversity doesn't really exist. Um, so I imagine that made it even more difficult. Yeah, I think I think actually the Muirkirk as a community were really really welcoming to me, and but yeah, it's it's tough because especially I think in the farming farming community I think it was harder harder to fit in because I was coming to an area and doing something completely different, and everyone's looking at me like, what mm-hmm. is he up to? Yeah, but you never in all those years you never swayed away from the Herdwicks you. No, I mean, I grew up around Welsh mountains as well. And that's why I ended up with some Welsh mountains as well. Um, just because I knew that they were a real low, low cost, easy sheep to look after. Um, I mean, they, you don't really look after them. They look after you. Mm-hmm. That's the kind of sheep I like. So what? how does your farming system differ to the traditional farming system? It's the fact that we're trying to cut. I know everyone's trying to cut costs, but... I'm trying to cut costs, but also also just simplify everything we do. I believe in doing as little as possible to get to where I want to be. Mm-hmm. So why everyone else is maybe thinking, oh, if I do this, we do this different or we do this extra, and maybe that's going to bring in this extra return. I'm thinking if I do this less, if I don't do that anymore, if I stop doing this, it's like imagine like a game of Jenga. Mm-hmm. All the sheep, the, the flock itself is like the pile of Jenga and I'm pulling out bricks, but I'm pulling out the middle ones. I'm not pulling out the edge ones. I want to keep it strong, mm-hmm. but think of all those middle bricks you can pull out. And nothing happens. Nothing happens to the strength of your flock. So you just keep pulling out all those middle bricks. So there are things like at the two or three extra gathers that a lot of sheep systems do every year that i just feel like I've just cut them out. So for instance, we're gathering three times in a year. So we're, we're gathering the hills. Most of the ewes are running on the hills anyway. So we're gathering the hills in the first week of March to scan the ewes. And while they're in, they get their own, their only flute dose of the kind of spring. So that's once in, once handled. And then the second time we see them when they come back in is at the beginning of August when we wean the lambs. And that's why I said we wean the lambs because that's the important job. The second most important job is at that gather is shearing them so that was cutting out a gather in the summer rather than gathering everything in shear them and then turn them all back out mm-hmm. to then bring them back in a few weeks later mm-hmm. so what we've done is we've, we're now shearing later and we're weaning earlier so we've brought those two gathers together yeah split the difference yeah okay and what's, so, your, what's your other gather and then the last one is For just tapping. the autumn one to give them to give all the ewes their autumn fluke dose and their trace element boluses. Okay. And that is it. So uh, when they're in in the summer, when the ewes are in in the summer, they get nothing. They get they get shorn. That's all they're getting. So we've got two fluke doses and a trace element bolus. Mm-hmm. Now, I didn't start out like that because mm. 
it would be chaos. Yeah. Initially, with the sheep that I was working with, they relied on more things to get them through the year to keep them in good health. Because at the end of the day, all we're trying to do as farmers is keep our stock in the best health possible. Yeah. And you cannot just take a sheep or any animal from one system and try and shove it into another one. It takes years and years of careful progression to get there. Mm -hmm. So you have to just slowly wean them off of the things that they've been used to. And just, and it's like I say, the Jenga, sometimes you'll take a brick out and think, oh, I don't know whether we really should have done that. And other times you'll take it out and it will make no difference whatsoever. And you just think, well, why are we doing that? So, and it, so as time goes on, then you start fine tuning it more and more. And you just think about the silly little things about how you can save not just money anymore. It's how can I save time and how can I save even just five minutes here or 10 minutes a week doing this. And then those 10 minutes every week suddenly become a day a year. Awesome. Then you can yeah. then go off and do something else. And that's where the other side of my business being fencing, I've been able to take advantage of all the spare time that I've accumulated over the years from just fine tuning the sheep system that the more and more spare time that I have, I'm able to either do more fencing at home or do more fencing for other people. And it just snowballs. So I started off when I started fencing for other people, which kind of happened by accident, that I was struggling to find time to go and fence for others because I had so much on at home. Mm -hmm. Whereas now I've got loads of time to go off and do it for others because the, the sheep work at home is, is so mm -hmm. minuscule now. Yet now I've got way more going on at home than what I did back then. So it's... Yeah, it and more sheep, how, more it just shows how refined more yeah, yeah. the system has become. And are you, would you ever be in the running for Fencer of the Year? No. 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 Well, at least I'm, you're honest. I'm just, I'm just, We've all seen it. We're all I'm just totally, I'm, I am totally self-taught. I taught myself fencing from really, I think I learned more from taking down old fences than I have from anything else. Because and just seeing how they were initially put up. Certain jobs you go to and some and the farmer says, Oh, take that fence down. And then you get there and you think, this is actually quite a good fence for its age. Mm -hmm. And and those are the ones I really, really studied. Yeah. And I tried to take all those elements and put into my the way I work and the way I put a fence up. So I've I've pieced I've pieced together my methods of, of a good and my my ideas of a good fence from a lot of research of seeing what the old school boys used to do. Old boys that are probably not longer with us, but you know, no longer with us, but they've taught me a lot. But did they have better wood? Oh yeah, absolutely. Like here's a thing, you know, like, yeah. it, like it's all cheap. Into, that's all you ever hear now. And that's something a folk lot. will be interested in this podcast. They want to know what posts, if, where do you get good if posts? You, if you want a good fence, you've got to pay for it. Like, like, Buy the best, buy the best of materials yeah. and get someone that knows what they're doing to put it up and David it'll Cooper. last. <laughs> it'll last for a long time. Whereas if you buy cheap materials, yeah. even even someone that knows what they're doing putting them up, you use cheap materials five, se five six, seven years' time, fence has fallen down. No matter how good a job you've made putting it yeah. up. So it's it's irrelevant. So best of materials start with and then try and find the best. Skilled. I, I, I think folk are coming around to that though, aren't they? I think there was again we could keep talking about faces, and you can tell me you're no better. But the more I speak to folk, I think they are more inclined now to pay more for yeah. their posts because you know they've bought these cheap ones yeah. and they've realised yeah. it's a false economy. Yeah, 
Well, I think I, it was probably you that I was explaining to you just recently about it, that the way I try and explain to my customers would be if, if you if you imagine a fence was going to cost you 3,000, this is going to be easier, 3,000 pounds for this fence, right? And let's say we're hoping that it's going to last 30 years. So that's quite easy to say, oh, well, that fence is going to cost me 100 pounds a year, right? Because that's the way you should look at a fence. You shouldn't look at it as that's going to be a big expense this year. You should look at it as a lifetime Okay. Event, yeah, yeah, yeah. So of, of course. Thing. Yep. So that's going to cost me a hundred pound a year, but you'll get another contractor come in and say, "Oh no, I can do it for half that." And you're thinking, "Oh, that's that's a massive saving." But that fifteen hundred pounds will probably only buy you a fence that'll last ten years at best. So actually, if you got that contractor back in three times over the thirty years, you've spent four and a half thousand pounds. So yeah, yeah, you're, yeah. you're, you're going to spend one and a half times as much as you need to for the same amount of time. So it absolutely makes sense to spend double on day one and do it right. And do you have to give that speech every time you charge Not a family every double? time. It, like, <laughs> I'm getting tired of, of saying it. <laughs> love it, love it. I think you're, you'll, you'll be quite fortunate that, like with any good tradesman, once you have the reputation, you know, Folk on the quibble. The folk, you know, more, yeah. the people that want you want you. Yeah, I've, I've the never, price is a price. I've never ever advertised. Yeah, to go. Like folk, folk, folk won't quibble you over the price. It's like yeah, Davey, yeah. Davey, I want you to do that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and they know you're fair. And a lot, a lot yeah. of people do not even ask the price. They just know that they're going to get a good job, and they know that it'll be fair. And you'll be fair. It'll yeah. be fairly priced, which I do believe I am because I know I know for a fact that. Oh yeah, I'm sure you are. So, but yeah, a lot, a lot will just. But every now and again, when you get undercut, you crack out the <laughs> teeth, the, the maths. But but if you get undercut, then so be it. Oh, absolutely! It's not. Yeah. It's yeah. not worth. Go- I I just. How far ahead do you have work? Um, uh, we're usually a good sort of nine or ten months at least ahead wow, of us all the time. Brilliant. Unless I want to come back round to sheep, but I'm, we're going to have a very brief intermission here where we have a word from our sponsors. So it's that dreaded time of the podcast again where we have to get Iona to say CF Moto. Do you want me to practice one before we start? Yes, please. Let's go. CF Moto. Ah, oh, nailed it. Nailed you, wait, it. You were asking me what I've been doing this week practicing <laughs> that. <laughs> In front of the mirror. Okay, here we go. Now, as you guys probably already know, I've been a CF Moto brand ambassador for a few years now, and I can definitely testify to the quality and capability of both the ATVs and UTVs. Their vehicles are fully loaded with specs including a winch and tow bar as standard, and all agricultural vehicles come with a free ATV track worth £399 plus 0% finance for businesses. On that ATV track thing, that's incredible. I, I need to do a video about it, yeah. It's what like, is it? So like if, if someone goes out on the hill, so you, you have a login like on your phone mm. and if someone say went out on the hill with it and you hadn't heard from them, they're supposed to be back at two, oh. it's now half past three, you open up the app, you know, obviously try and phone them first but if they, <laughs> <laughs> and they might just say, aye, it's taking me a while, leave me alone. But if they don't answer their phone, say, you can crack open the app and you can really? see where the, the bike has last been or the, or the UTV has last been. It's incredible. That's that, that really, really. I'll tell you how sensitive the track is as well. We, if Jock goes into our child, Jock goes into the bike, mm-hmm. the, the buggy. We take the key out because he'll throw it somewhere and you'll never find it. Mm. If the key's not in the ignition and someone's moving it around, they ah, phone you. No. Yeah, they phone you immediately. Like, listen, bike's moving. Just want you to know somebody's at it. 
and, and you say it's fine, you give them the password and say it's okay, it's my son, blah, blah, blah. But like That's really, really clever. clever. Very, yeah, very that good. Is. So I can honestly say that you won't regret the switch to CF Moto and your accountant will love you for it too. They have a large network of dealers across the UK and Ireland. Use the dealer locator on cfmoto.co.uk to find your local dealer. And if you're an Ayrshire, that's Tom Murray. Give him a shout. <laughs> Back to the podcast. We don't actually have an intermission. We'll cut that in I later. we were going to walk in. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, like, there's uh, teas and coffees in the foyer. <laughs> uh, <laughs> We've got some muffins for you. <laughs> we'll try to make it. I should say, we'll try and make it an hour or just over an hour. So I thought, like, half, that's 34 minutes. So I thought, that's a nice week. Mad, I, isn't it? I, I must apologise. No, it's good. No, listen, it's great. Like, we're not worried about time as I've such. I've not even got past. Oh, I know. <laughs> like, so uh, we'll fade back into it here. Um, and you could do a wee welcome back, that'd be nice. I want to ask Davia about Pretend you just told a joke and we'll... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> welcome back. <laughs> uh, brilliant, we're straight back into it. What a laugh we had during the break there. Uh, no, so one question, I know we're going to keep going on with this, but I want to know, you only told us what you do with the U's. What about dozing lambs? Just that doze at lambing time, at, at clipping, or no doze at all? Usually it's a doze just before clipping so this is for anything that's running in by okay anything that's running on on the better ground on the farm that that we have better access to anything that's on the hill no no does yeah that's, and more likelihood a worm bird than yeah yeah, in by. yeah. the ones yeah. coming off the hill are fighting fit they, they, they come in at that first week in august and the majority of them are booked in to the slaughterhouse that week like, yeah that, so so you just those ones are leaving with literally just a tag in the rear. And, and never had anything. That's, that's their only cost. Are you organic? No, but no. I mean, technically on... It's mad that you know. Yeah, we, we kind of are, but it's kind of technicalities that right. um, stop us Organics from being organic. kind of becoming outdated now. Well, it's such a fast with sheep anyway, is it not? It's because I think they're now moving towards regenerative. That being the buzzword. Right. Because it's not as tick boxy. Okay. It's organic. And, and you'll be regenerative. Mm-hmm. with your system yeah right, okay so that's yeah. the next thing so you're looking forward to the change in subsidy rules should should be a win for you yeah i think i think as long as um as long as anyone that's been doing the right thing all these years is rewarded for it mm. rather than we bring in a new system and all that we highlight is okay you you and you have been doing it wrong here's a load of cash to go and start doing it right and the rest of us that have been trying our best all the years, yeah, that's are just, a fair point. Are just, are just forgotten about. That would be awful. Yeah, that is and a it would fair be point. Pretty unfair to the ones that have been, you know, trying to lead the way in the best they can. I, I heard a little rumor, a and I think it might just be a rumor, but it does sound believable to me that the reason they haven't announced, and this is in Scotland, folks. I don't know. I actually don't know what they're doing in England, but the reason they haven't announced in Scotland what the new guidelines are for the single farm payment is that they intended to make it about the environment and about going greener and stuff, but they've done all these carbon audits and they've actually realised that the majority of farms are carbon negative. Because, I mean, how can you running sheep on 5,000 acres mm-hmm. be anything other mm-hmm. than carbon negative massively? Mm-hmm. I mean, you'll have as soon as they announce it, you'll have Ryan on the phone saying, Davey, give us some <laughs> of your credits. But, like, how, you know, and I think yeah. they've actually realised, oh, wait, that's not going to work. So that's why they haven't rushed it out that oh farmers need to do more for the environment because when you work it out even the most intense systems generally are the most productive like your 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 dairy farms apparently their their output 
is so high that it outweighs the, you know, it offsets the, mm-hmm. that their carbon footprint's a lot bigger than, say, a sheep mm. farm. But, I mean, sheep farming especially, and how can it be anything but carbon negative? Yeah, I know, I know when, when, when we did our carbon audit, like we, we were like very, very low, and the only thing that we could have done to improve on what we were doing was plant trees, apparently. Mm. Mm. Um, mm. Which... Are we allowed to talk about trees? Mm. No, I, I don't talk about them. I'm, I'm just the right tree in the right place. Mm. I'm all for. <laughs> is that the, no? I'm listening to the political, but it, it, it is. But it's just mad, especially for myself. That's like looking, trying to get a farm and whatnot. When the prices are wild, because anything like the bit. I mean, there's a dairy farm not far over in Dalry's getting planted in trees. Yep. You know, an ex dairy farm. It's like, mm-hmm. when's it going to stop? So what is happening? Are 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 big companies like the airlines and stuff buying ground to offset well, their well, see, it's, it's hidden and Davey will maybe know more about this meat it's hidden behind like private equity firms a lot of it you know so it's like it's just a private in, you know investment firm company buys it and and then allegedly they'll lease the credits to other companies or, or whatever that is the plan I believe does that sound right have you heard anything like it, that it sounds right but it's it's incredibly wrong but it, yeah it sounds like that's I yeah, think that's what. I mean, Scottish forest. Obviously, Scottish forestry is the biggest buyer, but there is these private. Um, well, it, it's it's scary, but I guess the government has set targets for the hectares of 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 ground to be planted by say twenty thirty. But, but they've got set targets for NHS waiting times. Don't bother with them. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? But don't worry about them. They worry about the trees. When we when we start to reach those targets for the areas that have been planted will the will the funding from the government dry up at that point will they will they continue to fund as hard as they are at the moment or will the incentives not be there when those when those those targets are met but the trouble is when we when they reach those targets what's left mm. what's left I, for the, the rest the of the damage us? it's done yeah yeah, yeah. for when, anyone when one, food you know that's, that's keen on farming and tw- 20 years the, time when food security yeah. is actually the priority not the environment you know, yeah. the environment's important, absolutely, but you need to eat mm-hmm. or else you don't need to worry about the environment if you can't eat. Yeah, and uh, I know that there's a push for um, for obviously farms to be more efficient, but how much more can we squeeze out of the land that yeah. we're actually currently farming? Yeah. There's, a, there's a lot of folk, okay, that aren't as efficient as it could be, but majority yeah, of farmers There's, there's, a, there's a huge money. amount of potential to land in, in Scotland. There's yeah. a huge amount of potential, but we need to be very careful about about that balance between I just, what if, could be farmed. And I, I love a good conspiracy theory. Uh, so do I, I just honestly think with the fact that it's obviously, I'd imagine it's a lot of government money goes into buying these farms. How do they have that money when they don't have money? If I keep just throwing the NHS up there because it's an easy one, but they don't have money to put into the NHS, but they have money to spend millions of pounds buying farms to plant, you know, these non-native trees that they plant. Like, where does the money come from? Answer me. <laughs> Somebody. <laughs> Please. Phone in, tell me. Uh, but we're going, to, we're on a massive, we'll rant about this every week, the trees. Yeah, Davey, but come on, back to it. Let's go back to my life story. Yes, that's what we're here for. Tell us. Um, yeah, so moved to the farm, 2004, 17, um, just got stuck in, loads of fences needed, needed doing on the farm, sheep getting out everywhere, sheep in the churchyard, sheep, sheep in people's, Gardens in Muirkirk, absolute chaos. So 
I thought this is great. We're phone gonna... and going, uh, David, there's some wee dug in my garden. <laughs> and you're like, no, that's a Herdwick you. <laughs> sorry. <laughs> that wee dug's escaped. Sorry, sorry, there you go. So the following year in 2005, I thought I'm going to buy some of my own sheep because the ones on the farm were kind of, kind of belong to the family. And yeah, yeah. How many did you have at that point? Um, so th- at that point, there was about four or five hundred on the farm that's pretty decent yeah. yeah so um so i bought my first basically I picked out the kind of best of the ewe lambs that year and bought them like myself and like right i'm gonna run these on the farm they're my own and then really everything else that's happened since then has all kind of come from those few that i picked that i thought were right for the job mm-hmm. and everything else kind of got bred out after that so then, so the following year in 2006, an estate next door to the farm came up for sale. So that was my opportunity then to buy into the partnership. So the land at Priest Hill is what we bought in 2006. There was just over 1,800 acres, which was a massive at that time. Mm-hmm. And I was like 19, a massive, massive thing. And I lay awake at night for weeks worrying about it because it was more money than I ever believed that we should borrow. Yeah. So much ground compared to what I'd been used to, what I'd ever been used to. Looking back at it now, it was a bargain. Mm -hmm. But at the time, it it felt hellish. Yeah. But I knew that it would come right and I knew it was the right (laughs) thing to do. I just had to just set my sights and just go for it. And you're just fencing and using the sub to cover the payments? Yeah, so um, at that point, very little sub because the land that we'd bought, well, actually the, the estate land wasn't really being farmed um, intensively. So there was actually a pretty small amount of subsidy came along with that. Mm-hmm. So compared to the amount of land that there was, it was very, very little. I thought you were going to say compared to the amount of subsidy it gets now. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. So... Relative to the land, yes. it was it was a pretty low, low bit of subsidy. So really, it was just developing a system that could that could survive without sub. Yeah, and we should say it's all at Region Three. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. What what later then got classified as Region Three, and then shortly after that, the SRDP scheme came along, which was basically what gave me a proper kickstart to getting the farm where I wanted it to be. So when that started, I entered the farm into this um, ag- like agri-environment scheme, basically. Yep. Uh, and there was grants for managing the hill ground and managing the moorland and managing the different types of land differently and fencing as well. So it just allowed me to start investing. Uh, and up to that point, I didn't really have the means to do that because I was growing the number of sheep I had, all I was, I was putting everything into increasing the flock mm-hmm. and nothing else and doing what I, the bare minimum of everything that was needed on the farm. But that was the opportunity to put a bit of infrastructure in and yeah, replace some fences that were really needing done and start to manage the farm better. So two years after that, yep. the SRDP first application went in and got accepted into that. So that was us in the scheme. I had the chance of buying another bit of that original estate that that had come up for sale. So um, bought just over 2,000 
acres of that, which was just a block of pure hill, just just nothing but hill. So bought that in 2010, and then just after that, 20, 2011, put all of that land. How, how much into is the a, a block of two thousand? Is it top secret, or you know, has it ever been disclosed, or is it you know how much is a block? Of, you don't have to tell me. You don't have to tell been me. disclosed. No, that's okay. That's okay. I just um, we like to ask these questions here. But it's difficult to, it's hard to put a price on what that type of land is just now because it's gone crazy with the whole carbon credit things. And, yeah. Mm. You know, because that's pretty much all peatland. And but tw you said you bought it in 2010. 2010, yeah. But back then no one was talking about that. Well, that's what I mean. So it wasn't, it wasn't uh, You don't need to tell us what you paid for it, but whatever you paid for it, it's worth a lot more now. Oh, bloody well hope so. Yeah. yeah. Well, to be fair, everything has, everything bought in 2010 is worth more now. Yeah. Um, but yeah, but, I know, but, I know but what you mean. But back then, none of us, none of us knew. There's none of these fantastic it, things. No, it wasn't yeah. ever spoken of, so. Yeah. Yeah. Then meeting Cora 2012, engaged 2013, married 2014, have a child 2015. We don't mess about. We no, I like it. Get it done. Yeah. So Linton, our son, firstborn. Yep. The Messiah. Beautiful boy, born 2015. Yep. Um, and then that, as you well know, changes everything. Mm hmm. Because your outlook on. But you had a great run. <laughs> <laughs> oh you had a great run everything that you thought was important up until that point changes oh it's mad um, and I think life just becomes so much better and more enjoyable when you've got children running around and yeah yeah um, hard work but it makes you feel oh, like, like something I know what you're saying I know Lin Linton's uh, super bra as well like but when Jock was born and Lizzie would take, like, I would just constantly be like I know everybody says they're Wayne's bra, but like this, this must be like up there with the brawest Wayne's mm -hmm. ever born. I'd like, look at him. Look and at him. You, the amount of like, time. Cammy, everybody thinks that. Just and I'm not going to say, I'm not going to say it's a waste of time, but the amount of time you spend just looking at them. Oh, so. Lizzie, uh, no, she is much worse than me. I mean, she, she, she's a, an amazing mum. Lizzie fights with them all day. The two of them now, of course, puts them to bed, comes down, Ten minutes later, she's got a phone out looking at pictures of them, <laughs> <laughs> and she'll be like, "Look, like she's like showing me pictures, and like she just, and it's beautiful. Like she just loves them so. Like, I love them, but she, she, it's just beautiful. But she will have like, yeah. you are sick in the head, like straight away looking at them. Doesn't I'm like, oh, it's great to finally a bit of peace and quiet. Oh, look at them. And imagine, imagine Cora's the same. Like, yeah, uh, and also you, when they're both so family orientated. When, when, when they're all asleep at night as well, you go into each room. And we just stand and chat in the room and just look at them like, can you believe yeah, yeah, yeah. how we managed to get these? Like, look yeah. how beautiful they are. Like, we just stand and look at them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's, yeah, it just, I think you just have to be grateful sometimes. Yeah. So. Of course, your kids are very fortunate to take after their mum in the looks department. Yeah, 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 mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Very, very lucky <laughs> they are. They can have, they'll have your height. So there you go. That's a good thing. Hopefully they've got my height, yeah. Yeah. As long as I don't get my hair, they'll be fine. Um, it's testosterone that does it that's what I'm saying mine's is heading that way it's, like, it's like testosterone is it is that what drives the hair away yeah like genetics hmm. I don't get the big negative thing about guys losing their hair like, you know I feel like it's a big thing for guys like oh bald and losing my hair I don't get I don't get it never really negative. bothered me um, I had no choice no. in the matter but you've got a good head shape for it I don't think I've got the head shape to be bald you do have a good mm. head shape you do have Thanks a good head shape much. but like if you look at me like I don't I've got big ears and a narrow. I've got a very narrow, like you know, I look, I look like a schoolmaster or something. 
like kind of postman pat shaped head yes just, exactly yeah that, get really stuck in now Davey this is your chance just go really nasty go really nasty wait, why don't you <laughs> <laughs> just make sure you wear a fed cap there we go well that's our caps caps are a great thing makes for sense beanies now, yeah. and caps yeah yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah or I just you know go full hog we'll just get the hair transplant I'll just wear a beanie for six months and then it'll just be ta-da and they'll be like Cam what's happened to your hair what are you talking about yeah yeah they're what? in what <gasps> I know somebody got a hair transplant oh do you mm-hmm. yeah I actually wouldn't oh I went to Turkey for a farm uh, SAC thing oh aye that's a real tangent <laughs> and you know how everybody's like turkey hair and you hear about it and think you know and you see the little videos on social media folk go to Turkey yeah okay it's obviously a popular thing my god the flight home from Istanbul to Glasgow 90% of the flight was guys in like pairs who'd been over with their, you know obviously two mates together had been uh, genuinely 90% of the flight for the hair all wearing headbands right. all with the shaved you know with the dots you see like they've had it re-implanted yeah, yeah, yeah. all wearing headbands for, you know which is for the swelling but Mental. that's what I mean, guys. But it almost it takes away the stigma. Hair. I think it was good. It's like it takes away a stigma. I know, and I was almost like, do you know what? I wouldn't look daft. Like, I'm like, I'd look daft, but I was like, no, nah, I'd look alright in this flight. <laughs> so, so 2015, <laughs> 2015, Linton was born. 2016, got a hair transplant. <laughs> Failed. Went to Turkey. Just shaved it. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, what was next? Um, so, roundabout then was oh yeah. So, the Farmers Weekly Young Farmer of the year oh, 2016 yes. um, and that was that was Cora again that encouraged me to go for that whereas this was at the kind of the stage of me becoming more confident in what I was doing and Cora recognizing what we were doing and that there should be some kind of recognition for it so winning the young farm of the year was a real ma- like a massive boost for us mm-hmm. um, and I say us because even though it was me it was that was mostly Cora's doing. Yeah. Um, she wrote the application. Yeah. She did all that was necessary to get me there. Um, so I really do kind of owe it to her that, that I was recognised for that. Yeah. And it was around about then as well that um, after Linton had been born that we made this decision that Cora was not going to go back to her work and that she would become a partner in the business because we both felt that she had so much to offer and mm-hmm. the business had so much to gain from having both of us full time that there wasn't really any option to do anything else. Yeah. So, but that was a massive jump as well, because as a lot of people out there will know that decision to just drop a wage, a full time mm-hmm. wage is scary, scary yeah. stuff because yeah. you just really don't know how things are going to go mm-hmm. and it's different. Um, so yeah, that was a massive jump for us. And also, um, without going into f- too much detail on the years leading up to that, um, the family partnership had kind of run aground and run its course. And we'd discovered that not ev- everybody wasn't looking for the same thing. So I had bought out the other partners on the lead up to that. So around about that time was when it became just Cora and I farming in our own right and everything we did from then on was just us so it was a big 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 moment everything coming together at once in our farming career and obviously then the opportunity to really do everything 100% as we wish to 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 take it to another level so then taking it to another level would just be 
Cora's pregnant again. So, so Cassian was born in 2017. So 2017, we had two boys and we thought we were the luckiest people alive. Yeah, yeah. But at that point had not considered having three children. So 20, 2019, let's go to 2019 because a lot happened 2019. 2019, we bought some more land and we also, well, Cora set about renovating an old shooting lunch hut out on in the middle of the farm on the hills, which she renovated and which is now Dipple Lodge. Mm-hmm. Um, and also we did a vast, vast bit of peatland restoration on the farm, which is probably the most, I would say, the thing that's probably improved our farming system the most to date. Because it covered such a big part of the farm, it's had a real big impact on on how we were able to to manage our sheep and and get the potential out of the farm. So mm-hmm. how that came about was I was approached by somebody from RSPB who were basically looking for landowners that would get on board with doing some peatland restoration because there was quite a lot of funding, government funding to do it, and they wanted to get anyone and everyone involved. But the trouble was a lot of farmers are not up for it because it is believed that peatland restoration involves making your hill or your peatland wetter, which is true because you have to make it wetter. If you want to stop the carbon from getting released into the atmosphere, the worst Mm -hmm. thing you can have is dried out, exposed peat. But as farmers, we naturally like dry conditions we like yeah, we like our fields to be dry we try and, no use if for, there's a burst drain in a field you want mm-hmm. to sort it like this that's that's what what we've all kind of grown up to believe and that's why a lot of those historic hill drains were put in on a lot of the hills and in, in and around yeah. this part of the world dry them and, out. and the rest to dry them out to improve to in, increase productivity or what that's what back then we thought was the right thing to do but as time's gone on, we've realized that cutting drains down through peatland is the worst thing you could do because the water then continually erodes the peat. Mm. So we had parts of our farm on the top of the hill or lots of the bits of the hill um, where these ditches had washed out to a certain point that you could, I could stand in the ditch and not see out. We could have yes, bits so, that yeah. were like 10, 15, 20 foot deep had washed out and that was the biggest issue we had for having sheep was we were losing hundreds hundreds and hundreds of sheep every year <laughs> on one particular bit of hill so there's one section of the farm we were losing up to 400 sheep a year so 400 so i'm talking about like 400 lives so we're talking about lambs in lamb ewes unborn lambs hogs we were losing really fat sheep mm-hmm. in these in these they were falling it fall into their death or falling in and not being able to get out mm-hmm. and because of the vast size of where of the area of the area to in, search for them yeah you wouldn't you, you wouldn't find half of them you wouldn't mm-hmm. even if you were trying to you couldn't because at the top of the di- the ditches were quite narrow at the top of the ditch you've got heather and I other vegetation crossing so, over either side yeah it's like so a, even it's unless, like unless the sheep that was in the hole was actually bleating 
and I've saved many lambs up there when I've been fencing in the spring. But that way. Because you yeah. hear them. Yeah. But you only hear them if you're nearby. Of course. Yeah. You of just course. don't hear them. Like, no, when so you literally have yeah. to be walking over the top of them to find them. So the chances of saving animals out there, saving sheep out there is pretty slim. So that number of sheep to be losing every single year up to that number was not sustainable. And um, so we were struggling because of that. So when this guy came along and said, we would like to do some peatland restoration, I'm thinking, we've got to try and make this work for us. And when I asked more about it, it was actually more, it wasn't what I believed to be ditch blocking, because you always heard ditch blocking. Yeah. It was actually ditch, like reprofiling. Yes. So instead of, we were still blocking ditches, but we were reprofiling them first. So you're doing away with all the steep sides and the deep holes, filling it all back in, and then leaving like nice shallow dishes. Okay. Everywhere. Like those ones would have been one day, you know, at one time. Yeah. Yeah. Well, back back before the ditches were dug in, it would have just been nothing. It would have all been yeah, of fairly, course, yeah. fairly flat-ish. Um, so by doing away with all those hazards and reprofile, reprofiled something like 130 kilometers of ditches on the we we did wow. we did nearly not well we did 900 and something hectares of peatland restoration and at the time that was 2019 we start we did two phases early 19 and late 19 because you had to avoid the summer for bird nesting and at the time it was the biggest peatland restoration project in Europe I believe right. definitely the biggest in Scotland in one block yes yes um, so yeah, real, real important project at that time, because there wasn't a lot of it. Now there's peatland restoration going on all across yeah. Scotland. It's, it's big, it's big business at the moment, but back then Isn't it, it had only one? just started, it had only just started picking up a bit of momentum and it was, it was difficult because it was hard to find operators that knew to you know because you had diggers on site doing yeah. this but it was hard to find oh, they, operators they boys, that knew what they were doing because I, I, I know you were teaching them it, all on site it's big money oh yeah yeah but like but again, it's technical it, stuff as well because there's there's a real skill to yeah, what they were yeah. doing and it's getting folk that will go out there every day and do that yeah. and yeah but i suppose if the money's right you'll get the right skilled people but again it comes to this thing for me though where does the money come from like how does the government like act it in such a high horse? Well, about I, this? I, how I, like I know somebody that does it. I know the money that's involved, like that they're making yeah. from Tell doing us. it. Well, I, don't, I, I can't. I, I couldn't say because it's not my secret to tell. Uh, <laughs> well, but, I'll tell you some figures. There you go. If it's in, it's, we love figures on this. Yeah, yeah. It's but I, I find it fascinating because let's go back to at some point back. I don't know when it was. It might have been the forty, I, probably the fifties or the sixties. After the war, that's why all those ditches were put in. I think it was the government incentive to in increase production on hills. So yeah. I'm guessing there would be some kind of f government funding for that. So the government have paid everybody to put all these ditches in and now yeah. they're paying everybody to take them out and that's to do away with that, that, that. There's I a few things hilarious. like that, including like ripping hedges out and putting in. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's all sorts of things like that. But I think, I, I I'm not to interrupt your, 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 the point you're making, but I think there's a great point in there that after the war, when, when the most important thing was food production yeah we did these things yeah. now we're drifting away all the time we're planting trees and we're forgetting all about food production so yeah. all of a sudden I'm, in, I'm not saying we're going to go into a war but it's going to be a shortage of food climate as well because we're going to have all this migration from you know Africa and, and whatever they're going to have to migrate a lot of these countries because they're, they're going to get so warm It's un, there's nothing to do there but 
like there's going to be more you know trouble and and potential conflicts and it's going to come the first thing a country's going to do when it's you know in trouble is keep its food for its own mm. people yeah yeah do you know what i mean it's mm-hmm. and, and like i think we're so short-sighted to think that we're safe and, and everything's don't, don't get me wrong trying to trying to increase production on hills in that manner was wrong. We know that it's wrong yeah, by, yeah, cut, yeah, by cutting yeah, ditches. Yeah, like that. yeah. That's not something, that, great way to store that's not yeah, something yeah. that we're going to go back and do again in no, the future. No, more, yeah, science we know that, science we know has that moved that on. was wrong yes, and we can absolutely. prove that now. Absolutely. So that's that's okay. Um, but in terms of cost, to get an idea of the that that project or the projects, because we kind of three different phases altogether, there was probably fund because it was fully funded, so it was 100% funded, Round about the eight nine hundred thousand pounds to do that project, so two thousand acres. My God, that's mental. Mental. Um, and that was probably one, two, three, four. I'm terrible. Like maybe like six months work. Like I, I think I'm absolutely one of the people who believe that we need to do something for the environment. Like we really do. The planet is getting warmer. It's getting wetter as a result and you know the science is all there all for it but when you think that they put nine you know nearly a million pounds and that's just your 2000 acres yeah. a million pounds there and you look at what else is happening in the uk like am i the only one that thinks that's mental but the 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 positives from from our point of view from it is first of all hey you got we, half it in your pocket i get that but like, <laughs> <laughs> he's just back from Greenland. Oh, yeah, yeah. absolutely <laughs> absolutely <laughs> zero of it came yeah. to us yes i yes. must add um but that was that was the selling point for me was even though i knew from day one that we would not gain financially from that directly mm-hmm. indirectly we would because i knew if we could get all these ditches filled in for a start we wouldn't be losing saving sheep. all those sheep yep. so that that immediately is money in the pocket yeah so we, we knew that was going to happen and then the things i didn't know which now i do which now i would quite happily convince anyone to do it is the process itself with all those machines tracking up and down on the hill flattens a lot of the vegetation and encourages a Comes lot of fresh. growth mm. so the boost that it gave the That's land interesting. Yeah. was massive but also because the sheep then could travel about wherever they wanted on 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 the hill before there were certain areas that they just didn't graze very well at all because it was really difficult to get to because you couldn't just if you just for instance 20 meters away you saw a really tasty bit of grass as a sheep you couldn't just walk over and eat it because there might have been two or three really hazardous death traps yep. death traps mm-hmm. in front of you so and and if the weather was really rough as well and the wind was coming from the wrong direction if I was a sheep, I'd be like, it's just not worth my while trying to get over there because it's an ex- an exposed bit. I can't get shelter. If it suddenly starts snowing, I can't suddenly run away from there and find uh, shelter. I've, I've got to walk back into the weather to get... Uh, Dave, if I was a sheep in your hill, I'd probably go in the hole. <laughs> <laughs> it's that exposed and hard. I'm just... I'm not... <laughs> I just... Maybe that's what was happening. Head I just like, oh. <laughs> oh, can't I do another winter out here <laughs> Muirkirk it's so, it's, it isn't exposed like you talk yeah. about hard hills it's a hard hill yeah, and, and, hard bit of hill and that, that was that was where I suddenly saw we had a massive massive boost in the flock and, and, and the performance because we gained what it felt like it was the same amount of grounds that we had but we gained so much grazing because yeah, the sheep a, yeah. could go wherever they wanted 
and they could just walk there, eat what they wanted, and then know for a fact that if the weather turned, they could just walk away back out as quick as they like and get and find shelter elsewhere. Yeah. So it just it really like allowed us to utilize every single bit of the hill. Yeah. Um at no so, cost to you. Yeah. At yeah no somebody cost else commented that. Yeah. Um and and now obviously then you've got if I put my um my peatland hat on, the 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 land itself is wetter now because it, all these ditches have been reprofiled and then every so many meters you've got a peat dam to slow the water down. Mm -hmm. So we'll never see the same problems as we had before because mm -hmm. water cannot get up any speed to erode to the peak. Mm -hmm. So you end up with just lots and lots and lots of pools behind these dams. And these pools eventually just cover over with like sphagnum moss. So you shouldn't really end up with standing water anyway. It should just be moss everywhere. But it's just retaining moisture all the time. So you've got me to thank downstream when the rivers aren't bursting their banks because our hill is like a massive sponge. sponge. Yeah. Yep. So historically, before we had the peat no, restoration done, if we got a really, really like battering load of like two or three days of rain, mm -hmm. the river levels would go up really, really quickly. And as soon as the rain stopped, down really, really quickly. And that was it. Whereas now we get a lot of rain. The river levels don't really fluctuate as much. Like we used to get a lot of flooding further down the farm and the kind of better ground at the bottom. And it hardly ever happens anymore because we're retaining all of Your that water so much. on the hill. I bet that's and then it releases it really, yeah. really slowly over months. Yeah. So through the summer, when we're getting all the droughts, which we now seem to be getting on a fairly regular basis for two or three months at a time, that hill is so moist, moist and green that it's literally the best place to be on the yeah. farm. Yeah. So all our hill ewes are up there not bothered about the heat because it's, you know, they're up there and it's it's exposed. So you've got wind. So you've not got any maggots. You've not got fly stripe. You've mm. got, you know, they're in... So we're getting away with... This is where we get back to the things that the sheep need. The sheep need very little because when they come... At, we can afford to leave them out there to shear them later because we do, we've got no, no worries yeah. about flies because... Mm. They're up there quite they're all, happy. They're all in my farm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Aye, I know. No, it's interesting, David. I'm, I'm very conscious of your time there. You got us to the point where um, you now bought this other piece of land. You, you've done this yes. uh, incredible peatland restoration, which I think then, people will find interesting. Yeah, and then, so after that, 2020, our daughter, Sibylla, was born. What does, what's Sibylla? What does that mean? There was a Queen Sibylla of Scotland. There we go. Shows what I know about history. I've never we, heard of that. We, we just we were looking for names and we came across. Sibylla I've never heard of thought, that. What an amazing name! And then yeah. realised that. What does it mean? What does it mean? Um, not sure. Cora would tell you if she was here. Um, I just know that there was a queen. Sibylla, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So yeah. Yep. It's good enough for me. Yep. Sounds good. Um, what does Jock mean? Jock. It's just a good farmer's name. <laughs> it's just like a, we we just went for names like like Doug's names like you could shout them one fast. single syllable yeah. ones yeah yeah uh, even Angus took a lot of debating because it's almost like two Angus it's like two syllables in it, so it's a bit long and hard to, hard to shout I but we're just we're just thinking Gus. Yeah. Gus you know it's good 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 dogs names Jock and Gus mm -hmm. you know you something <laughs> you call your yeah. I call your like Jock get off the bike Jock get up in the bike mm -hmm. you know think you know think lie down <laughs> Jock lie down. Kind of things you would say to a dog. Um, I know that Linton. Means, farm kids are like fair. Linton means village on the side of a hill. Okay. Which is quite. Yeah, yeah. Fitting, close enough. So, yeah. yeah. At least yeah. you didn't call him Muirkirk. 
that's the fourth one. If you have another, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, yeah, and then um, in 2022, we're nearly up to date. 2022, we bought another bit of ground, another bit of hill ground, which was in another part of that original estate that had come up for sale back in the day. So it kind of that was the last piece of the puzzle because up until that point, we'd been renting that land as okay. part of our business. So yeah. now you buying that last bit meant that now we own the full block, um, which was a real, that was a real like okay. milestone to get to for us. Um, and is any of it paid off or is it all just constantly refinanced to buy the next bit and just keep it moving that way? That is kind of the... And does it, does the loan term get longer and the, the loan get bigger, but the payments stay about the same? Or? Um, the loan term, for from my point of view, for for us for our age loan term longer the better because absolutely we've hopefully i've still got a good few years of working life in me and and I've, the the plan always was that we would get to when we were 60 and everything was paid so long term borrowing for us is it's not a scary thing at all and i think it's quite a sensible thing um and and having a sustainable business that that performs um what's the what's the right word the same every year it needs to be consistent yeah, okay consistent profits every single year in order to maintain and and service a long-term loan of course so yeah I so like you can sleep set, at night we've set up something that really looks after itself almost that we are just we're just sort of fine-tuning it and having a bit of fun doing a bit of fencing um we do have a lot of fun we do have a good work-life balance yeah oh, like, of course you're like, like a holiday we're yeah, like you're a very, jolly yep you're, yeah. um and that's good important on you. to us because just back from Glen eagles yeah very nice um and do you feel like uh, you didn't mention it there, but uh, were you going to say twenty twenty four? The people of Muirkirk have finally accepted us, and <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. You could answer that one. Is he getting there? He's getting there. I, I think it's great how well liked he is. Like it's, it, I think it's tremendous because he's not naturally a likable fellow. So I think he's done fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> My turn so to take the. If I have to hear one more thing about Herdwicks and Welsh mountains. <laughs> <laughs> no. So, uh, so yeah, um yeah, so that brings us probably. right up till up to twenty twenty three and then winning this year's awards. Yes. Uh which, a, a bit much bigger prize. You absolutely. Know, and that was that's that huge. was the one that we were so like I said, we were confident, but yep. to win it was just so good and stiff competition. And also well. for Cora's sake as well, because she put so much into She's so much into the business yep. as well, but I think sometimes, as a lot of women in agriculture would probably feel as well, that sometimes they are overlooked. Yeah, and, yeah, and, and they think everyone thinks it's just you. Yeah, yeah. and I don't, and I don't think Cora's maybe been taken as seriously as she should have mm-hmm. up until now, and and I do hope that. Well, well that speaking about that, this, just we've spoke about this just recently. Uh, Cora went to the Women in Agriculture AGM, was it? Yeah. Yeah, and it was just this week, and, and yeah. she, she's been voted on to the board of women in agriculture. Brilliant. Um, so yeah, really proud of her because she's. I I just feel like she, she'll get them really geared she, up because she needs business she, experience. She, she as deserves well. a bit of recognition 
for what she's done. And, and I absolutely would not be sitting here talking to you about all this stuff yeah. if it wasn't for Cora. So yeah. it, it, she, she deserves she deserves it. No, brilliant. Listen, David, we could sit, we could sit here and blather all night. We've known each other a long time, of course. We all know each other in this room, yourself and Iona as well. Muirkirk, massive. Um, I'm just a wee outsider here. <laughs> but uh, I think I think it'd be a good chat, eh? Yeah, good chat. Aye, it is. Yeah, it's I've learned a lot. I, 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 oh, so far. Mm-hmm. Like the whole Peatland thing. Even yeah. just, it's just nice having Davey in because he's he's honest about his emotions. I like that. Yeah. Do you know? And just You're a, a nice romantic. Person. Well, I wouldn't go that far, but you know. <laughs> uh, I feel like I, I feel like I haven't talked about sheep enough. No, it's good, but that's not what this is all about. You know, no, it's no. like you, you have you've covered your sheep system. Like you don't do anything with, anything with them. I get it. What else was that <laughs> yeah, talking about? Well, that's it, really. Yeah. <laughs> but that joke aside, that's the beauty of that's your system. That's the business model. Yeah. Aye, that is the beauty of your system, mm-hmm. and I'm jealous. Like I'm, I'll be run, doing just now. Running about salt and sore feet. It's a nightmare. Mm-hmm. You know, another great thing about a hill. Um, you know, you don't have to worry about that so much. But David, it's been fantastic to have you on. Thanks for having me, both Th- of you. Thanks, thanks for coming in, and uh, we'll see you again soon. Well, that's us. That one's been long enough. I own up. We'll have a quick wrap up here. How did you enjoy that? Yeah, it was really interesting. Although I've known Davy for years and years, I've not really heard about his journey and stuff. So yeah, it was interesting. So great to have him in. Well done, Davy. We'll need to get Cora in next yeah. time. Definitely. We need to, yeah, balance. I have an extra microphone ordered, so mm-hmm. we're going to really up the ante with this. And this will be a video podcast very soon. Iona is delighted about that. <laughs> Can't wait. It's going to be all about the angles. So that's all coming very soon, folks. Thanks for watching this podcast or listening as it is just now. Thanks to CF Moto for sponsoring it again. Absolute legends. I've been Cami. And I've been Iona. And we are both fed, fed by, by farmers. farmers. Slick. Welcome to.